Have you ever wanted to discover what's missing in your life? Metaphysics is available to all and is part of your life even if you don't know it. Welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil with Barb Crowley. Together we'll explore the mysteries behind metaphysics and how to use it to have a deeper understanding and advantage in life. And now here's your host, Barb Crowley. Hi, this is Barb Crowley and welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil. March 13, 1997, was the largest mass sighting of UFOs in the world and very possibly in history. This year is the 25th anniversary of that sighting, and we have as our guest today Dr. Lin Kitai, who watched, photographed, and later thoroughly researched the event and witnesses to write her book, The Phoenix Lights, which later came out in a documentary form as well. Dr. Lin Kitai is an internationally acclaimed physician and health educator for over 50 years. She graduated from Temple University and Medical School in Philadelphia. She completed her postgraduate work at the Medical College of Pennsylvania. She has a very extensive and accomplished background, which I'm going to ask you to go to read on her website. It is very impressive. Dr. Kitai, or Dr. Lin, as she is also known, has brought this information to the world through many TV and radio shows, and I am so happy to have her with us here today to bring us back and tell us about what is now called the Phoenix Lights, or what she experienced and saw. So many people, because it's 25-year anniversary, so many of you may not know about this, but we are not alone. Welcome to the show, Dr. Lynn. I'm so glad to have you here. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be with you and to share the information to your audience. Um, what's really poignant and amazing is that I had no interest or knowledge in this topic at all before. <laughs> uh, my husband and I both uh, are physicians, healthy skeptics. One must be open when you're a physician for anyone coming. And a scientist. Work. People forget. Basically a scientist. Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, yes. A scientist. And and especially where this is concerned, but um, had, had no interest. And suddenly, and interestingly, and we'll talk about some of the other serendipities. I don't believe in coincidences anymore. Uh, the the eve of my birthday. This was February 6, 1995. This is when my I first had an introduction to the Phoenix Lights. Um, I was taking a leisurely bath in, in the next room adjacent to our bedroom, which is pretty high on a mountain. We live mountainside in Paradise Valley, Arizona. I actually have a panoramic view. And if you go to the Phoenix Lights Network website, photo page and it's www.thephoenixlights.net and go to the photo page you'll see the topography um we're we're blessed to have a beautiful view of the valley and then mountains in the distance which will come into play here at, at any rate my husband was on the phone and one wall is a window and we're originally from philadelphia and my mother-in-law had called to wish me a happy birthday from philly and he was at that window and Nothing ever ruffled his feathers. He was on several state and hospital medical boards. And suddenly he sounded alarmed. He says, Lynn, get over here quick. What the hell is that? And I grabbed a towel, wringing wet, ran to the window, dripping. And a little below us, because we're pretty high on the mountain, were three amber orbs. 
in a pyramid formation, one on top and two closely aligned underneath, about 50, 75 feet off the very treacherous desert uh, ground. And we're kind of nestled in the mountains and um, uh, it's a private gated area. So there's no way this was military, um, mm-hmm. but it was stunning. I mean, it was like, oh my goodness, what what is that? And uh, you'll hear from And you're other... familiar. You're familiar with all the lights having yes. lived there for quite yes. a while. Yes, thank you for yeah. mentioning that because having lived here, we are very familiar with plane, mm-hmm. train lights and, and street lights and car lights and helicopter lights and whatever. Right. This was really different. And my first thought, because my background um, was not only medicine, but medical communications. I started doing health tips at NBC in Philadelphia and a syndication group from that that we're showing here in Phoenix when we moved here in 1980. And then I started a health program uh, here and also uh, at NBC and also USA Cable. So my first thought, because I have a company by then at 85 that produced video workbook curriculums to get my camera. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But when you see something so unusual, and I'm sure there's some people out there that have had these kinds of experiences, you don't want to move because you don't know how long it's going to last. Well, you're stunned. Yeah, you're also stunned. Exactly. You're in awe. Like, what is this? Trying to make sense of it. And um, so I tried to take everything in it mentally, Mm -hmm. the size, the shape, the color. And I always go back to this sighting because I saw this up close and personal. They were close, okay, just yards from our home. And a little below us. And I- Was there fear? Weren't you you afraid of? Not at all, just awe. And wonder yeah. and curiosity. And, yeah. and that's an important point we'll get back to later when thousands of people mm-hmm. saw what I was seeing. Um, but at any rate, I the size was about three to six feet each, depending on how close they were. That's what it seemed. They were absolutely oval shape. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I call them an orb because the light did not extend outside the edge. It was self-contained. And what's interesting is that there's, uh, and we'll get to this later, there's Nimitz uh, Navy pilots coming forward now talking about these tic-tac uh, UFOs that they've seen, like an oval shape. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's similar. What do or they same. call them tic-tac? Because they look like a tic-tac, like a, like oh, an I oval see. shape or like okay. a lozenge. Oh, like I see. The lo- yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm the, in okay. the game. <laughs> and that's what it seemed like. It was like, I, I used to say like an egg on its side, but a lozenge is even more poignant and, and, uh, uh, really described them perfectly. And the color within each orb was an amber color throughout. And it didn't glare at all. Every other light out there glared. Mm -hmm. Street lights, car lights, whatever. These did not. Very soothing, very mesmerizing. And I thought, if I don't get a picture of this, nobody's going to believe it. And I collect sunsets. In fact, on the photo page at the bottom, you'll see in two separate sunsets a month apart, the same massive cigar-shaped object is in the same place mm. a month apart. Now, what, whatever that is, I don't know, but it's in the negative because 35 yeah. millimeter. I go running to the closet to grab my camera. My husband calls me back. He gets, come over here quick. One of them is disappearing. Mm-hmm. And we both watched. Again, I always go back to this. It's, it's, it's as vivid as I can tell you right now in my mind. The top orb without budging from the two that were very close underneath, started to shrink very, Mm -hmm. very slowly, um, almost like a dimmer switch mechanically, as if there was an intelligence behind it, right? Mm -hmm. Until it got smaller and smaller and smaller in pea size and then disappeared. But it still felt that it was there. Where did it go? 
Okay. Yeah, you knew it was there. Oh, it felt like it was still yeah. there. Yeah. But we didn't see it. You know, mm-hmm. maybe another dimension, whatever. I right. jump onto outside. There's a sliding glass door perpendicular to that big picture window. And I jump out on the balcony. I get a quick picture of the two lower orbs and immediately noticed an eerie silence as if time had stopped. It was mm-hmm. just bizarre. There was nothing. I mean, it was really no just birds, silence, no nothing, anything. Nothing, just weird. total silence as if time yeah. had stopped. And as intently as I was watching these two lower orbs, and I didn't admit this to a soul until two years later after the mass sighting. (laughs) It felt like something was watching me. And I was thinking at that moment, who are you? What are you? Um, Mm -hmm. Do you know that I'm here? I'd love to meet you. I'm a very open person. I could be still white in the forest. I (laughs) love animals. And I was was coming for coffee. (laughs) But I, I, that was what I thought. The -hmm. next thing I remember, the left bottom orb, started to shrink just like the top one did and something something told me to take a picture and I quickly snapped the picture that's the second that's the last picture I took that's on the web that's on the website on the photo page the first picture and the last picture I don't remember anything else I don't remember the last one going out I don't remember going inside I just don't remember yeah and but I remember what I just told you very vividly Mm -hmm. and what was interesting is that my husband was inside I was outside and he wouldn't talk about it. Now, everybody comes from a different background, from yeah, a different upbringing, yeah. from a different belief system, different worldview. Some people can't deal with this topic. Some people don't want to. That's okay. I, mean, I can understand it when yeah. your reality has just been blown apart and you have nothing to go to. Exactly. And I have no some, reference for it. Because right, we, we were right. not, we're kept in this little reality cube. That's why mm-hmm. I always say, I don't know what they were till today, 25 years later, yeah. but I know that yeah. they were. And it's time yeah. we get this topic out in the open, address mm-hmm. it, accept it and study it. So we can right. find Observe, out please. Not, yeah. not only who's driving these things, but mm-hmm. also move forward in our own evolution. And yeah, um, that's yeah. why I finally came forward, which we'll get to after seven years of anonymity. But at any rate, here I had I the only picture that turned out at the time was mm-hmm. the last one that, well, you know, it was really hard to see. It's 35 millimeter. And that's important, too, because we're talking in the negative cannot be manipulated. OK, it's yeah. in the negative set in stone. OK, but that I is important one, today's oh, yeah, world. in yeah. today's world. Absolutely. Yeah. But this last picture had one half disappeared and one still there. The left one half disappeared, which was like miraculous that I caught this thing while mm-hmm. it was happening. But I didn't even know who to show it to. I yeah. knew no one yeah. in the top that, that was interested in the topic. I had no idea about the topic or what this advanced technology could have possibly been. I just mm-hmm. had no idea, but wondered for two years, not only what it was, but why it was outside our window, why my husband and yeah. I happened to see it, whatever. Okay. In the meantime, didn't see anything similar mm-hmm. for two years. And but when we're in the bedroom and our bed mm-hmm. is like right next to this big window, which the whole wall is a window, whatever pops up out there, whether it's a fire or, uh, you know, a, a haboob, they call it, the dust storms coming across or whatever, we get to see. I mean, it's just right there. If we're in the room, we get to see. Right. So, you know, I periodically... Uh, looked out to see if these lights came back or would come back. Nothing until two months before the mass sighting. Mm -hmm. I'm lying in bed and I notice that there's three amber orbs in a line formation, equidistant from each other, important to note, 
mm-hmm. that are hovering at a distance far west. And I'm thinking, now, wait a minute. They're amber. They're mm-hmm. huge balls of light. Yeah. They're in a formation. And I watched them for minutes. And then they started to look like they were shrinking again from right to left. One, two, three, and they were out. Mm-hmm. Mentioned it to my husband. And he would make, he's a joker. He would say, do I still have to go to work tomorrow? He didn't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Okay. <laughs> um, but the following night, and, and and to me, it was so similar in ways, you know, to 95, but mm-hmm. okay. Would I ever find out what these things are, right? So the next night he was at a medical board meeting and I walk into the bedroom and I notice there's three amber orbs. I can see outside the sliding glass door, which is perpendicular to that window. Now in front of South Mountain. Now, if you look at the mm-hmm. first picture on the photo page, you'll see the topography. South Mountain is on the left. And the Estrella Mountain Range is a few miles back on the right, and they like intersect in a in, a, in the middle. Mm-hmm. And it was like right in that area, but it was lower than these red blinking lights that are on the top of the mountain to alert pilots that are coming into Sky Harbor International Airport, which is just in front of South Mountain, that there's a mountain there, right? So they don't yeah. bash into it. Yeah. And this was lower than that and in front of the mountain. So I figured, okay, enough. I grab my, I run downstairs, grab my video camera. I run outside. I get about 18 seconds worth to be exact. And mm-hmm. the battery goes dead and it was charged. Okay. So That's what that I was wondered. weird. Did they yeah. make it go so that dead? That was weird. Yeah. That yeah. was weird. But I run inside. I hook up the battery. This was eight o'clock. I go outside. They're gone. Mm-hmm. And it was the same three in the equidistant line right. as the night right. before. So my husband comes back about 8.30 and we have a big, long driveway up the mountain and he comes up the mountain and I go outside and I said, honey, remember I told you about the three huge amber orbs far west last night in the line formation? Well, about a half an hour ago, they were right in front of South Mountain. As I point like this, Mm -hmm. they reappeared in the same spot. And it was a oh, holy moly. <laughs> yeah. Talk about and, listening. <laughs> well, and I and again, I, I don't believe in coincidence anymore because in video, it doesn't mm-hmm. do the lights justice. Anyone that goes on yeah. the website, Phoenix Lights Network, and looks at the video, it's impressive if you look at the different formations. Okay, that's mm-hmm. compelling. But they're white, they're much smaller, they flicker in the video. Right. In 35 millimeter, not only do you see the real deal with the amber orbs, but they're they can't be manipulated. They're in the negative, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I uh, the the video uh, machine was being um, uh, in you know plugged in. So I I grab my thirty five millimeter, run out to the front of the house just as I'm ready to shoot the three. Suddenly, six lights pop on on top of the three, massive span over a mile wide. Okay, you could tell it's at a distance, but it was massive, equidistant yeah. from each other. And the first picture of that series, if you look at it, it's wavy because I was shaking. Okay, I was shaking. <laughs> yeah. not It was so massive. And not having an explanation for 95 close sighting, mm-hmm. it was like, whoa, I mean, what is this, a mothership? Or I don't know why yeah. that came in my mind, but it did. Or a yeah. fleet. I mean, it was just so unusual. But I, thank goodness, I kept clicking away. Mm-hmm. And those pictures in January 97, to me, are the smoking gun. This is two months before the mass sighting that we'll talk about when over 10,000 people saw what I had been seeing. But here I was seeing this thing head on. And if you look at the second picture, that to me is 
the most important one because it looks like there's a big light in the center with two on each side, like mm-hmm. a V, okay, like head on with two underneath. Well, thousands of people two months later during the mass sighting would describe five lights in a V formation with two trailing right. lights. Okay. Right. Well, there we go two months before. And in science, you mentioned scientists, yeah. in science, we look for repeatability. Okay. Mm -hmm. So here we have something that other people would describe two months later. Okay. As I continue to shoot the, the, the sequence, this thing that was head on actually turned and looked like Mm -hmm. it was turning into a V. Okay. Sideways. It was so unnerving and I did not sleep well that night. I just wanted an answer. (laughs) If at all, what what the (laughs) heck is this? Right. So, um, and actually, I have to say, the night before, um, I ran in the house as the ones underneath were disappearing, as the three underneath mm-hmm. were disappearing, and called the Arizona Republic, which was the big newspaper here. And yeah. I said, you got to get somebody out there quick to take a picture. There's some really unusual lights in front of South Mountain. And tell me what it is. Mm-hmm. By the time I finished my sentence, they were gone. So the yeah. first call I made was was the next morning to the Arizona Republic. And I said, did anybody call last night to report strange lights in front of South Mountain? The gal gets off. She gets right back on. She said, nope, nobody called. Well, I know yeah. I called. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I said, well, I said, my husband and I both saw something and I'm just trying to find out what it was. She says, well, sometimes Luke Air Force Base, which is very close to Phoenix, actually um, sends off experimental maneuvers and they don't tell the public about it. Maybe they did something. I said, that sounds reasonable. So I called Luke Air Force Base mm-hmm. to see. And I tried to be very professional. I said, my husband and I are both physicians. We live mountainside in Paradise Valley. We saw some strange lights in front of South Mountain last night. Do you have any idea what they might have been? And from the get-go, she had an attitude. And she said, well, they didn't come into Luke Air Force Base. They didn't come out from here. So we had nothing to do with it. I said, well, we did see something unusual near the airport. She says, why don't you call them? Maybe they saw something. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. okay. Now it was a mission. Okay. So I called the (laughs) FAA. I get a really nice gal on the phone. I tell her the same thing. She says, well, maybe some of the air traffic controllers saw something. Let me ask. I said, that would be great. So she leaves me hanging forever. She gets back on. She says, actually, there was a group of air traffic controllers there the night before that saw some very unusual lights over restricted airspace. And a couple of them are here this morning. I said, oh, can I please talk to one of them, right? Took forever. I must have been five minutes, but it seemed forever. Now, I met this guy subsequently really low-key guy, okay? He was more excited than me. He said, did you see the six-five yeah. eight, but they're from each other? <laughs> I said, yes, that's why I'm calling. He said, I can't believe you saw them at a distance. He said, there were actually three of them at eight o'clock. I said, I saw them too. He said, they appeared over class B restricted airspace. There's a 20 mile radius around the center of the airport. Anyone that comes into that airspace must call the tower to tell them they're going to be there, especially a thousand feet altitude that these were. Nobody called. So they got worried. They look on radar. Nothing shows up on radar. The three disappeared at eight o'clock. At 8.30, when the six popped up at the same place, over class B restricted airspace, a thousand feet altitude, they really got concerned. And they looked on radar, didn't show up on radar, took their high-powered binoculars to look. And these are professional sky watchers, okay? And in his own description, he said there were six points of light totally equidistant from each other, massive span over a mile wide that seemed to be attached to something. But they couldn't quite see what these lights were attached to or had a force field in between, holding them in rock-solid equidistant formation. And as they watched, he said, 
they the whole thing as a unit started turning against the wind. And he was a meteorologist as well. Okay, which mm-hmm. was lucky to get him. And he said the whole thing turned as a unit against the wind, then elevated very slowly and in synchrony moved behind South Mountain. So I said, so what was it? And there was silence. And then he said, beats me. I said, you're an air traffic controller. You're supposed to know it's in our airspace. Not fair, not fair. He said, said, actually, they all, the whole group was like trying to, uh, you know, figure out what this was. They ruled out every conventional aircraft. They ruled out balloons. They ruled out flares. They ruled out Chinese lanterns. They ruled out um, even skydivers with lights. Okay, what did Mm -hmm. they came up with? They could not figure out what these things were. Okay. We kept in contact. I continued to take pictures of video, primarily of these formations. I felt compelled to go mm-hmm. out there and do this, right? And I kept my camera on a, out, you know, right next to the, the window so it would be ready. And, you know, even my husband was getting a little annoyed with me because we'd be in an <laughs> intimate conversation or whatever. And I'd see them out of the corner of my eye. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they were huge. Yeah. They were huge balls of, of amber light and in different formations. And I would grab my camera and run outside to hold that thought, right? <laughs> um, so it was getting a little ridiculous. Now, here we, here's another little uh, serendipity. Okay. So finally, I said, okay, this is, I, I, I just didn't want to, you know, I didn't know what we were dealing with, but mm-hmm. I figured, look, let me show the video to some of my friends and ask them if they know anybody that I can show it to that is knowledgeable. So this is how close I was, Barb. A friend of a friend had a neighbor who had a friend yeah. who knew the past president <laughs> of MUFON, Mutual UFO Network, which I had uh-huh. never heard of. Okay. Right. Um, but I call him up. I tell him I'm seeing these lights. He hadn't heard about it, but there were other people mm-hmm. that were seeing them along with me. In fact, one of the guys. That's a relief, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. But one of the guys called MUFON up to his balcony the night of the mass sighting. And they all not only witnessed, but photographed an arrowhead of five lights that were mm-hmm. amazing. That video is amazing. Okay. So I said, plus I have a picture from 95, a very close sighting that I, you know, I'd like somebody of knowledge to look at. He said, he referred me to a field investigator for the following Wednesday who calls me on Tuesday to say that the then state director of MUFON wanted to be there, but his mom had passed on Saturday Mm-hmm. And he asked if we could postpone. And it was like, oh, man, the only window of opportunity I had, yeah. I was very busy at the time, was that Friday morning um, at 10 o'clock. He said, fine. So I knock on his door. And he, the first thing he says to me is, did you see the mass sighting last night? And I said, well, I saw something similar to what I told you about two months ago. In fact, not only did it seem to be in the same place, I got, but I called this morning to the air traffic controllers to see, and they confirmed it was the same exact phenomena in the same exact location over Class B restricted airspace. In fact, I have video of it, okay? Because mm-hmm. when I ran outside, there were six lights, and by the time I got it focused and whatever, there were three, and I caught the three endpoints of a massive mile-wide V or triangle. He said, terrific, because NBC was coming to interview him in a half oh, an hour. Wow. Yeah. I said, whoa. I said, I, I said, I don't know what we're dealing with, if it's military or a hoax or whatever. Mm-hmm. I said, but it's not about me. Barb, it's never been about me. It's about the data. 
And I said, you know what? Take a copy of the video, show it to whoever. I'm out of here. And I left. Okay. Yeah. But about four o'clock, the first news of the day, I thought, I didn't even know if they were going to cover it. Right. And they, by the way, the phone was ringing. He gave them my number and all day they were asking me for an interview, but I was wise to it because of my video work. They, you know, they said, oh, we'll make you anonymous. Well, yeah, but you would know who I am. Right. And yeah. I didn't want to take a chance. Right. But I sat in front of the TV to see if they were going to cover it. Well, you know how they do breaking news now everywhere. Well, it was right. the breaking news. Every news station was showing my video. Okay. He had wow. given it, which was really exciting. Okay, because, you know, here, you know, again, it's not about me, but I, you know, they had something to show people of what was going on. Right. So they could see whoever didn't see it. And by the nine o'clock news, a couple other videos came forward. The V shape. okay, Mm -hmm. from the other guy and also a boomerang video, which would come into the picture later. okay, so it was like, whoa, what is going on now? They're talking to thousands of people. So what I had been seeing, plus they're saying some people saw craft. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, go back to March 13th. Okay. March 13th, 1997. For anyone out there that hasn't heard about the Phoenix Lights, whatever you've heard, there is so much mis and disinformation out there. It makes my blood boil, actually. And one right. of the reasons that I came forward after pushing my whole medical career aside for seven years to try to find a logical explanation for what I had witnessed and photographed, and I've yet to find it 25 years later, but compiled a 750-page journal of such credible data. And one of the things that's amazing was what really happened on March 13th, which most people do not know unless they hear a program like this, which I am grateful that you're letting me share or read the book, right? Well, on March 13th, while thousands of people were looking skyward for a glimpse of the Hale-Bopp comet, they also caught a glimpse of these mile, and we heard just a couple years ago, the head of the National UFO Reporting Center in Seattle, Washington, who got hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of reports from people and still does, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, Divulged that in his estimation, one of these objects, was eight miles wide. Okay, so we're talking oh a God. mile. Yeah, mind-boggling. A mile, and I thought he was kidding. We were at a, at a big conference uh, speaking for the 20th anniversary. We had just, it was all about the Phoenix Lights, and he announced it there, and I said afterwards, come on, Peter, it's eight miles wide? He said, yeah. He said, now, what people were seeing were either these orbs in rock-solid formation in V, triangle, boomerang, delta shapes, okay, like the air traffic controllers, thought they were attached to something or at a force field in between or actual craft. And if you go to the GAP page, G-A-P, Geospatial Animation Project on the Phoenix Lights Network website, you will see a 12-year study, meticulous study by the investigators of hundreds of reports, two or more people had to see the same craft, actual craft, gunmetal bottom. Some people saw windows. Some people saw beings at the windows, okay? And if you look at that, and two or more people had to see the same craft, there were 10 different craft described. Now, whether it was one craft that could be At that size. Yeah, those sizes, right? Yeah. Whether it was one craft that could morph into looking different, a perspective from where the person was standing, or a parade. And ultimately, that was the conclusion because 
And this, again, people don't hear about this. Not only in, in the media, you'll hear it was one or two events and it was only a couple hours. No. The mass sighting began on March 13th. And now we know that it, they were seen for weeks and months and years before. Right. Mm-hmm. But on March 13th. At 3 p.m. in the afternoon, there were daylight sightings in Arizona. Five o'clock hour, they were seen by Native Americans and reported by them. The seven o'clock hour and beyond in California. And during the 10 o'clock hour, there were two commercial airline pilots that called in and divulged that there was one of these craft, these mile, whatever, larger craft covering Las Vegas. Okay. And then the sightings continued all the way until 530 the next morning. The last report that I'm aware of that I was told personally by a Boeing crewman, okay, that his whole crew was coming into work at Sky Harbor International Airport and saw one of these craft hovering right over their tarmac. So we're talking about over a dozen hours. We're talking about four states. Okay. We're seeing these phenomena. Okay. And we're talking about multiple phenomena. I mean, it was absolutely a parade. Okay. And, you know, we're, when you, it's mind boggling when you think of the technology. I mean, that's another thing because mm-hmm. not Before only. Before we get into yeah. the technology first, sure, sure. Um, I'm going to take a break mm-hmm. here because um, I, I want to really delve into this is amazing that. Um, that all alarms didn't go off, that every alarm, every Air Force base, you know, it almost is like an invasion. It did. But it yeah. Did. Oh, and you know what? Know. Oh, let's take our break. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll break now and we'll be right back to talk about this mass sighting. One thing's for certain. Life is uncertain. Do you navigate the unknowns? Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com to sign up for psychic readings and classes with Barb Crowley. You can schedule one-to-one sessions with Barb for personal and relationship counseling, pet communication, mediumship, career and business direction, or sign up for one of her classes. Everyone has answers through the metaphysical plane, but they need help to access them. Get the help you need today. Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com. You are listening to Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil with Barb Crowley. To reach the live show, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to aviewthroughtheveil at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, and we're back with Dr. Lynn Kitai telling us about the Phoenix Lights firsthand witness and what she saw, experienced, and actually uh, photographed and brought it to the world. So we were in the middle of, they are everywhere and they are being seen by almost over 10,000 people really. And why didn't every Air Force base, you know, react? So I'll give it back to Dr. Lynn now. (laughs) Very good question because they did. They did. In fact, we have a witness who saw this. We have other we have other ones, too, but um, she's in our documentary. Um, Actually, Luke Air Force Base sent off, which is right by you, which is near near Phoenix. Yeah, Um, there was a call actually at 3 a.m. the next morning 
by an alleged crewman from Luke Air Force Base to the National UFO Reporting Center, Peter Davenport, and he recorded it. And we have part of that mm-hmm. recording in the documentary, and I mentioned it in the book as well, that jets were sent out from Luke Air Force Base at 8.30 that evening. Uh-huh. Because one of these mile-wide craft was hovering right over central Phoenix, 7th Avenue and Indian School. As they got close, and we're going to talk about some of the technology, and this is part of it. As they got close, the lights started to dim. And as they got closer, the entire thing blinked out and disappeared. Wow. And he said it freaked out one of the pilots. He had to help him out of his aircraft because he was so shaken up by it. And Luke Air Force Base was on lockdown after that. Okay. So they were mm-hmm. well aware of it. And I actually, if you go to the share page on the Phoenix Lights Network website, you'll see that just recently the weather girl that was on that <laughs> night okay, yeah. got in touch with me. And shared that she was getting all kinds of calls, even though Luke Air Force Base said they didn't get any calls, um, yeah. that she was getting the calls and she went outside and she saw it too. So, I mean, there's so much more to the story. There's so yeah, much more yeah. to the story. But anyway, um, to try to be brief about the technology real quick, because as the story unfolds, it's fascinating in and of itself. Um, the, the You're talking one to eight mile wide objects, rooftop level, totally silent. Okay, whatever propulsion system it had was silent, gliding very, very slowly, rooftop level. And some people saw it take off at blink speed without even dispersing the air. Other people saw these orbs detach from the main object, go out into the environment, and then redock with it later. If you go to the gap page, Geospatial Animation Project, you'll see the, the 10 different crafts. One of them actually split in two and shot straight up. I mean, the technology itself, we have not seen. Mm-hmm. Okay, in 25 years. So if somebody right. else had it, we would know about it. Okay. Now yeah. it's also <laughs> yeah. interesting, and I'm just going to interject this real quick. Is that, and I go into detail in the book. When I had my pictures analyzed, all the pictures by mm-hmm. military and university optical experts. Okay, and we're talking up the wazoo. I mean, I really wanted to find out what these things were, and no one could tell me. They ruled out every conventional everything. Mm-hmm. But what was interesting is that a Navy optical physicist, Dr. Bruce McAbee, analyzed the close sighting. And by then, he had me go back and look at the strips, and we found another picture, actually a couple pictures. But the first and last picture, he analyzed. And not only did he see, which I thought was just part of the landscape, the same exact phenomena was in the same exact location in the distance disappearing when we were watching the close orbs disappear. So they were there in 95. Yeah. Okay, it's documented. Oh, it's in the, it's in the yeah. negative. Okay, yeah. interesting. And when I heard that people saw these orbs detach from the main object, go out into the environment and redock with it, a number of people saw that happen. I thought, whoa, is that what happened in 95? I don't know. I leave it. I'm mm-hmm. a healthy skeptic. I leave it. <laughs> you know, why were they outside our bedroom window, right? But I, I just want to interject that real quick. So that's interesting. So this is, again, science, repeatability. We're talking 95. We have the documentation. They were there. 97, two months before the mass sighting and during the mass sighting. Okay. Now I'm going to try to run through this real quick for your audience because we want to get to the real juicy stuff. No investigation, no explanation for months. It was such an uncanny. 
I mean, here it goes right over people's heads. We have people and, and we have a pilot in the, in the documentary. It was right, the craft was right under him, over him. And he was right under it, looking into what he would describe as a canister of spinning energy. I mean, it was just, the descriptions were so amazing. Nothing, nothing, okay? But you and, did have yeah. a councilwoman. Yes, that's what I was going to yeah. say. Then yeah. finally in May, because she had so many inquiries from her constituents and she was just doing her job in a council right. meeting. She said, you know, uh, maybe we should investigate that. She was plastered at the time. It was, uh, if you came forward, there was ridicule, there was stickering, there was laughing, there was discrediting. I mean, it was awful. I was so happy that I stayed And she anonymous. was the only one with that the kind of a sighting. And it was a time later, two months the later. The only one. She, no, we're talking May. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was, a, and she was the only elected official at the time that asked for an investigation and she was plastered. She was, she was quieted. Okay. Right. Okay. When I hear plastered, I'm thinking drunk. No, she was plastered to the wall <laughs> yeah. with jokes in the newspaper. I mean, it was yeah, really yeah. Cruel. She was just, it was yeah. really cruel. I mean, what they, what they did to, to her media wise, but at any rate, um, uh, we're talking June now, June 18th. And I'm just giving you the very highlights. There's so much more mm -hmm. in between, but this is the big highlight. June 18th, front page article in USA Today. For the first time, Finally. people outside of yeah. Arizona were hearing about this, okay? And we were deluged overnight. Now, we didn't have social media at the time in 97, mm -hmm. but overnight, it went viral, okay? Every morning show on, on national TV, Dan Rather, Peter Jennings, I mean, you name it, it was on, mm -hmm. okay? And Finally. again, we were... We were deluged by media. And once they talk to the witnesses there, and you really have to take this into account, mm -hmm. you can't blow it off because their descriptions were so detailed and so heartfelt. They too were saying, why isn't there an investigation? Why isn't there an explanation? Right. The right. very next morning, I mean, it was unbelievable. After nothing for months, on the 19th, we get a public announcement that the then governor, Symington, Fife Symington was calling an unscheduled press conference that afternoon to reveal the culprit of the lights over Phoenix. And everybody took it seriously. He comes marching out, one of his aides, with a giant alien head costume and made a joke out of it. It was really disconcerting, especially for parents. There were with kids that saw something right in front of them that was two, three right. walls right. wide, and but he's he, making a joke. He, 10 years later. Well, wait a minute. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We might not do. we got to watch the time. I'm going to go real fast. So the next thing that happened is three years later, the secretary, the, the um, councilwoman Barwood, and she was vice mayor of Phoenix, too, mm -hmm. decided to run for secretary of state on a platform to get answers for the Phoenix Lights. Yeah. And she wanted a reenactment. She was asking for a reenactment, which is brilliant. OK, suddenly we get an, an announcement right before the third anniversary that three Air National Guards were coming into town. And this is really important data to show everybody the Phoenix Lights. If you go on the news page on the Phoenix Lights Network website and scroll down to, to the middle there, you'll see AZ family, which you can see exactly what they did. Talk about a joke. But they, they came out. I think we missed this part. They came out and said, this was flares. We did yes. this. this oh, was, oh, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm I sorry. think we missed oh, that No, no, part. no, no, no. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. Because yeah. I'm trying to rush ahead. Yeah. Weather okay, balloons, let me, flares. I'm sorry. Yeah. Let me step oh, that's back. okay. Let me just step okay. back. A There's month so after much in this There is. But this is important. Yes, you're right. Mm -hmm. The month after the USA Today article, I get it because I called every military base 
Because mm-hmm. like, to me, it wasn't a joke. Okay. Yeah. So I called every military base and they were more curious what I had than giving an explanation for it. This is after yeah. the June 18th article and uh, the 19th fiasco with the governor. And uh, and I described some of their um, uh, conversations in, in the book. <laughs> um, and then I get a call a month later. July 24th from the one of the heads of PR at the Air National Guard. And she says, oh, Dr. Lynn, I think we know what those lights were back in March. I said, oh, that's terrific. What were they? She said, do you believe that nobody looked at the log for visiting Air National Guard and the Maryland Air National Guard was in town sending off military illumination flares? And that must be what some people saw. So I said, whoa. I said, wait a minute. Were they, was the Maryland Air National Guard in town in January? She said, oh, no. I said, well, my husband and I saw the same exact thing in the same exact location two months before the mass sighting confirmed by the air traffic controllers at Sky Harbor International Airport the morning after the January sighting and the morning after the mass sighting as appearing over Class B restricted airspace at 1,000 feet altitude. And she says, you never told me that because <laughs> okay, I never described anything. That yeah. I just said I saw something. And she said, um, so I said to her, well, wait a minute. Also, and by then I had educated myself to anything logical, including flares. I said, wait a minute, flares, you know, you're trying to tell me that flares that cannot keep a formation, they're dropped from planes with with parachutes and drift and drop haphazardly with the wind, Mm -hmm. kept a rock solid, mile wide, equidistantly spaced V formation for hours throughout the state. And she says, uh, well, I have a call coming in. I'll get back to you. I'm still waiting, Barb. I'm still yeah. waiting for that yeah. call. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry that I missed that. So and flares also important. drop. Yeah, that's what I said. They can't keep it And they illuminate. Exactly. They're used. That's what they're used for. Not only mm-hmm. is there huge smoke trails that are illuminated by the flare itself, but they're meant to illuminate the area around them. And so when somebody sends a missile, that flare will take the missile instead of the plane. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Because yeah. it's, it's heat seeking. Okay. So three years later, we get back to this. The um, uh, Barwood, uh, former vice mayor, decides that she's coming to, she's going to run for secretary of state on a, on a platform to get answers. And she is asking for a reenactment, which was really amazing and wonderful because when they tried again, it was a joke. I mean, we get announced with three Air National Guards. I think it was New York, Michigan, and California came into town and they tried to make a, a, a triangle. It was upside down. It fell apart immediately. <laughs> and you smoke trails, just yeah. what flares do to, yeah. to date, yeah. to date, Barb. The Phoenix lights have never been recreated mm-hmm. or explained, but they continue to appear worldwide. And what's really yeah. exciting is that people worldwide will see similar phenomena and now after so many years and and because the official explanation in 2004 when I finally came forward was that it was flares that was it yeah okay yeah. and now they look up why? in the sky and say whoa there's the phoenix lights right which is really why cool. do they do that I have to get into well, why do you think because other <laughs> but other countries are so wide yeah, exactly and I didn't know that I didn't know that until I started investigating and finding out that other countries are much more much more open to these phenomena as being otherworldly. And that's, you know, that'll take me, I mean, that's a whole conversation uh, mm. with the other countries. And and the history, I had no idea, and I get into this in the book, the, the history since human documentation began, there is documentation, recorded documentation in Sumerian writings and um, India writings and the Bible, whatever, the same phenomena and, and pictures in the 15th and 16th centuries and other sightings that are very similar. And which, in the which, Bible, which, in the Bible, they talk about the it 
in we the all, Bible. Exactly, yeah. all's well. But anyway, if you if you fast forward, and now, um, you know, to, to uh, right after the tenth anniversary, and again, I'm going mm. over a lot of stuff. Um, but right after the tenth anniversary, the former governor, for whatever reason, and I had come forward in 2004. I don't know if you know. I hope that it had something to do with him coming forward. That he saw that. You know, once I came forward and which is very scary, by the way, after seven years of yeah. anonymity with the first edition of the book, which is now in and, its and, fourth edition. And being a doctor and an right, exactly. practicing in and the I was working. And, I went yeah, back to work yeah. at the Arizona Heart Institute as chief clinical <laughs> consultant, and they knew no idea that I was paring down that 750-page journal when I closed the door in between <laughs> patients to 230 pages, right? When I came forward, I had more doctors and nurses grab me to tell me their stories. They were so grateful that I had done this, okay? I I didn't realize how it would help people really deal with their experiences until the book came out. This new reality of what they saw. Yeah, and absolutely. They're scientists. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But but anyway, um, what's what's really interesting is that uh, not only did the governor come forward after the 10th anniversary to reveal that he saw it, he actually saw one of the craft and he he's an awarded military pilot. And he said it definitely wasn't flares. I mean, that's already been, you know, debunked, although some people still feel into it. And if it gives them comfort, so be it. OK. Right. Um, and they do. I mean, some people still feed into that, if you can believe. Um, yeah, they have but- to have it. You have to have some some logical thing yeah. to feed into, which is fine. Um, but the data is there now if they want to look at the real data. Um, mm. But not only that, but he called it otherworldly. He saw a craft. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then shortly thereafter, the government government came forward in 2017. There was a New York Times article. Mm. Uh, again, there's so much more to this story, but that really opened this up. Okay, that there was a study being done for years since 2007, I think, a $22 million study for military and government of these, what they call now UAP, Unexplained Aerial Phenomena. Uh, Harry Reid got that together. I don't know, but I can't go there with that name. UAP? Yeah, yeah, it's UFO. (laughs) Right, well, whatever. But, you know, they they, uh, renamed it, I think, to make it more scientific and and Mm. palatable to some people. But be that as it may, um, the fact that they came forward and then Nimitz pilots, pilots are coming forward now, Navy pilots, which is fabulous. In 2017, this all happened. And suddenly we get this UK interview um, which was interesting because when I called the air traffic controllers the morning after the mass sighting and they said it was the same thing in the same location, they said, in fact, there were a couple of pilots that called in to tower. One was a commercial pilot that was on departure that said, what the hell are these lights over me? And one was a, a, a private pilot who was coming in and saw the VF6 lights and reported it. Never told me who they were, but I actually have that in the in the in the first edition of the book. I thought it was very credible. The pilots saw it right above restricted airspace. One of the pilots, a private pilot, came forward in 2017. It was Kurt Russell, the actor. He was on approach to Sky Harbor when he saw it and reported it exactly what I was filming at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay, which is really cool. Okay. That being said, there is so much more to this story, especially, and I, I'm just going to touch on it now a little bit, how it touched people at a very deep level. You asked earlier, was I afraid? There has yeah. not been one, not one credible report of harm, threat, or abduction associated with the Phoenix Lights phenomena. Can't talk about other things, but I can about the Phoenix Lights. 
in 25 years. The, the, no mm-hmm. one has ever come forward. If anything, it was just the opposite. This is really important to me. That's This is even more important than the technology, although that's awesome in and of itself, how yeah. it affected people in real time and long term. In real time, now we are so inundated with threat, 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 and harm, 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 that you know, Dr. Gary Schwartz, who's the head of the Consciousness Study Department at the University of Arizona, makes a very poignant statement in the documentary is if you're inundated with information to be scared of something, what do you think you're going to do when you see that something, right? Oh, yeah. And so uh, Independence Day movie was real popular like six months before. So little kids, and they were usually the first people, that's an interesting little aside, to see these giant mile wide V things coming toward and alerting their parents. Oh my gosh, Independence Day, Independence Day, jumping up and down. <laughs> but but as it came closer, a calmness came over everyone, a connectedness to the phenomena that after it left, the kids wanted to run after it or had their parents get into the car. In real time, people were in awe, in wonder, in in just curious that so many cars pulled off the road to look at it and mm-hmm. and just stood there in awe and i have had more people in throughout the last 25 years still getting emails and messages phoenix lights network facebook page whatever that they feel blessed to have had that experience and you know you have to think about it that doesn't happen with planes and helicopters and flares and whatever Do you Not know only what I mean? that but the fact that they weren't running into each other on the highway and massive right. pileups you right know? no absolutely that, that absolutely. too they had to be protected somehow they they felt a connection mm-hmm. and have always felt a connection long term some of the people went into the peace movement they changed their eating habits even my own husband Okay, he was a meat and potatoes guy from Philly, right? Mm -hmm. Stopped eating meat. I mean, it was just weird. It was weird. I mean, and and other people went into the environmental movement. Um, It changed people's lives forever. Okay, Mm -hmm. which is another important thing because I had a number of witnesses that shared with me that they had had near death experiences as children that was reawakened by the mass sighting. And that really hit me personally because I did too. And I describe, I get into it, we don't have time today, but I get into it in detail in the book. But it hit me, oh my goodness, uh, because it changed my life as a kid, okay? I mm-hmm. thought everybody knew the secret, okay? And it was right. psychic and empathetic and uh, empathy and all that. Um, <laughs> but I thought, geez, could there be a connection between all unexplained phenomena, whether it's near-death experience, out-of-body experience, unexplained aerial phenomena that have a mystical light associated with the experience. And lo and behold, when I started looking again, just like the UFO credible data, I started finding university-based studies, the Omega Project, and, and so on, on and on, that were so fascinating that not only, and in the book I make it very simple, not only is the experience very similar, it's mind-boggling when you really look at the data, but the after effect mm-hmm. is so powerful, so poignant, so a deep soul level awakening, enlightenment that happens into an individual that experience an unexplained phenomena, UP, I saw her calling them all an up because it Damn. is an up, because yeah. it's a positive experience um, forever. I mean, the connectedness that the person feels to the universe and to the earth and to each other is, is so 
powerful and poignant. It changes people forever. So I, I wanted to, to get that in there, number one, that there is a whole uh, study in my book that, that really reveals that um, these phenomena not only wanted to be seen on March 13th when thousands of people were looking up at the Hale-Bopp Comet, and it's happened before in Mexico in 1991 when thousands of people were looking up at the at the eclipse. There were UFOs all over the place, okay? So, so they pick, like you had the comet, and they they had picked the time when people were out looking at an eclipse. They're picking the times to be seen. Well, it makes sense. I mean, it's logical yeah, if you yeah. if you if you connect the dots. I mean, it's speculation, but again, I don't I'm a healthy know if they skeptic, need but... those other things. <laughs> well, but but they knew that there'd be thousands of people looking up, right? Right. Okay, which most mm-hmm. people don't. Okay, right. Um, which is a little coincidence again, another little coincidence. Okay, yeah. Um, but but not only that, but um, uh, which is which is really amazing that. Not only did they want people to see them, but it touched people. That's the important thing. At such a deep soul level to wake them up. And and I really get into this in the book, not only my own near-death experience and and what I came away with that changed my life forever. And I really was awakened, okay, Mm -hmm. as a child and uh, to what happens in your life, the awareness of what comes before you. Is it there for a reason? Is it because that it blows open your reality? It does. Or do you think there's an actual energy change? I don't know. It's whatever it is. um, It definitely touches you. Mm-hmm. At a very, very deep level. And, and here, I just want to interject one more thing, if we have time, is another little coincidence. Six months before the mass sighting. We only have about blue, a minute. So. Okay, <laughs> out of the, okay. Out of the blue, I get a call from uh, the Gila Bend Indian Reservation, one school in between South Mountain and the Australia Mountain Range. The right? Australia is actually. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. I'll tell you. Okay. <laughs> and it's a very sacred ground. And afterwards, it looked from my pictures. And if you look at them on the photo page on the Phoenix Lights Network website, you'll see that these phenomena keep coming, popping up right there. So I called them up. I right. said, did anybody see anything March 13th? And the, the principal started to giggle. I said, is that funny? He said, are you kidding me? We've been looking up at them for centuries. We call them sky people, light beings. It's part of their <laughs> wow. culture. And he said, that's how the Estrellas got its name. It means star in Spanish. And when the Spaniards came, they either saw it or heard the lore. And they believe there's a gateway or portal in that area. And again, science, you know, repeatability, these things keep popping right, up in the right. same place, could be. But it's very poignant that Native cultures worldwide, and you have to look at that. And you too. have that in your book as well. Yes, you I know, do. at this point, I hate to stop you, but we I have to get in here. Where can people get hold of you and your book? And more information, because as you said, there is so much information. So much more to share with story. us. I appreciate yeah, that. Yes. Get hold First of, of all, Phoenix Lights Network website. It is packed. I wanted to get something out there that was free, that people at their leisure, if they choose, can really look at the data. Okay, and we have beautiful pages, photo page, cat page, news page, um, uh, and Discovery Plus right now is is streaming the show UFO Witness um, episode five, and I have a little clip of that on the on the website. is terrific about the Phoenix Lights if people want to check that out. But the Phoenix Lights Network also has links to the Amazon, uh, the book, the Phoenix Lights, 
A Skeptic's Discovery That We Are Not Alone. It's in fourth edition, the ebook I recommend because it has color pictures and live links that people can continue to explore. Also, the documentary uh, they can get on, on um, Amazon. And, and also, coming back to my, uh, my love of, of children and education, uh, my health education learning programs company, um, video and workbook curriculums for schools, um, I also now have a graphic novel activities coloring book called The Phoenix Lights, UFOs, and Crop Circles, Adventures of Sue F.O., Field Observer, and Hugh, H-U-G-H, for all ages. It's got And you have something on the 13th and the 20th that you we do. are looking at? We do. At Thank you. On the, yeah. on the 20th, the 13th is the anniversary, but we every year I host a, a big event of the, showing the documentary on the big screen and, and speakers and Q&A. It's the only uh, mainstream event that I know of. It's, it's sold out every year in Phoenix at the Scottsdale Park and Shade Theater. We will be posting all that on the website and also on the Phoenix Lights Network uh, page on Facebook. And as well, I'll be speaking next summer. Anybody in Denver, I'll be speaking at the MUFON International Symposium on uh, July the 8th, Friday, July the 8th. Uh, and uh, really looking forward to that as well. Um, I love, we, you know, really push back on all the conferences and that'll be great if we can do it in person. Okay. And I'm going to have to wrap there. You can come to my website if you need more information of you through the veil.com. And um, Dr. Lynn and I are actually going to continue our conversation and we'll see if we're going to make another show out of it or put it on our website. So do keep in touch. Thank you so much for being here. It is a fascinating subject. Thank you for letting me share and keep looking up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. Have a great weekend and spend it looking up. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Barb Crowley, next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your upcoming weekend.